0: Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. ...store and to renew all things. We pray that you give us a heart according to your heart. That you would raise up a house and a family this day that would be a blessing to all the families of the earth. We give you thanks for fathers. We celebrate them as they are an expression of your destiny and ordination and order for our lives. We give you thanks for mothers, creation, a perfect helper, one who builds her house with wisdom and able to establish a house full of furnishings that decorate your goodness. We give you thanks for honorable children who walk in honoring their father and mother and walk in the excellence contrary to the spirit of disobedience that's on the earth, O God. We give you thanks for Jesus Christ who redeemed us, who saved us, who brought us back from darkness to light. And Father, we pray that you would extend your mercy towards us, that we would be revived and renewed in our spirit and walking towards those things that are more excellent. We give you thanks for Your grace this morning. We give you thanks for salvation. We give you thanks, oh God, because you are uh, pouring down your spirit in the last days upon all flesh. We pray, Father God, that your word would dwell in our hearts richly so that we not go astray. So that we not miss the mark. So that we not sin. We give you thanks and we know that in Christ we are more than overcomers and you will establish your purpose in these last days by a special remnant of people that understand your design for prosperity. Now bless your church and impart your wisdom towards our lives and give us a receptive spirit, a heart of understanding and that we might listen and meditate, contemplate and reflect on your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. You know, the Christ is the hope of nations. And many people think that this this is nothing more than participating in a religious exercise. But it's not all that. I want to say that 30 years ago when I read Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1 through 14, I was stricken by the uh, uh, apocalyptic nature, uh, Ezekiel 37, where the Bible talks about uh, the Lord leading his prophet, his messenger, Ezekiel, into a valley. It's called the passage of the valley of the dry bones. And the first verse says, The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord. And he led me down into the valley, into the midst of a place full of bones. Um, that was that was uh, pretty... Uh, Extreme, if you will, it was pretty creepy, uh, a place where uh, no one would like to be led to see. Uh, 30 years later, I can say that that valley of dry bone is an everyday reality, a pandemic, a plague that has hit our generation. In every home that you go to, you will see the absence of a father. You will see the absence of a marriage. You will see the absence of family. And so all the more clear nowadays as we look into the landscape of our generation and see that our cities, our countries are full. Of dead people. They walk around. Uh, they go to work. Um, they, they do a lot of things. But they are without life. Verse 2. As he brought them into that valley. He caused me to pass by them. And to observe all around them. Take a good look. And behold. And there were very many in an open valley. And indeed they were very dry. Very dry. This relationship of dryness. No uh, provision of moisture. Um, ...talks about not being quenched in their thirst. Uh, that is what uh, Christ promised the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. He says, if you come and drink from me, you will never thirst again. There won't be a dry day in your life if you follow after my order. But in this very dry place, this also reminds me of Psalm 68 verse 6 where it says rebellion leads to a dry place. But the rebellious will dwell in a dry land at the very end of that verse. If you're a rebel, you will not flourish. You will not flower. You will not be fruitful. And so you will be stripped of the moisture of heaven, the dew of heaven. Let me just tell you that this place is a place where the dew of heaven continually and faithfully uh, falls. That's why when people, dry bones, walk into this house, they've been divorced for five years. They've been divorced. They've been separated. They've been distant. They come into this place, and God continues to allow the moisture, the dew of heaven to fall. And then relationships begin to flourish and flower and become fruitful and live again. And you're like... Weren't they the guys that were, yeah, they were the guys that were in the valley, super dry, super arid, desolate destruction. God sets the solitary in family. So here, the opposite of family is a dry land. The opposite of God's provision where he's setting the order of prosperity. You see the word there? He brings out those that abound into prosperity. Prosperity or blessing is found in the relationship and in the order of God's design as family. Don't ever let the devil come and put thoughts in your brain that go contrary to family. In any expression, without Uh, Don't allow him to justify you embracing thoughts that come against your family because you will be led into the desert of a dry land. You will find yourself like Ezekiel chapter 37, now verse 3, as he saw amongst those bones that, uh, 37, 3 please, as, as he was witnessing the evidence of dryness. And God said to me, says the Ezekiel, Son of Man, is there any hope that these bones can live? I've had this asked even in the last week, as many of the Savior marriage families have come here to church. He says, Pastor, this is never gonna be revived. This is never gonna come back to life. This will never recover any union. This is totally separate. It's falling apart. Can these bones live? And so the prophet wisely answers. This is a, catch, uh, a, 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 a catchy question. Uh, Lord, answer it. You know. Oh, Lord, you know. You know what, what you can do and whatever you can do. That's what's going to happen. And that's what I think that many people don't understand. Um, they're not qualified to answer these questions about how will we restore family. How when something dies? I, I love that question. I love that question, especially when it's asked, and it was asked this week on Thursday night. Um, somebody says, you know when something dies? I go, yeah, yeah. I know when something dies because the power of resurrection is in this place. <laughs> See, the power of God. This is what proves That God is mighty and powerful. Those things that are dead and gone. Revived and replenished. And so he says. Lord you know. Verse 4. He said to me. Prophesy to these bones. Speak to them. Say to them. Oh dry bones. Listen to God. That's what we tell. The dead and destroyed relationships. Begin to listen to God. To God What has God said? I love uh, Ed Cole in one of his books, says that many men don't want to return to their families to initiate a relationship with an abandoned wife because they're saying, "I just don't feel like I like her anymore." And so he says like this, "Your feelings will always follow your actions." Start acting and your feelings will come behind. And a lot of people are living contrary to biblical teaching. They want their feelings to lead their experience. It's not going to happen. There's nothing better than to begin to walk in the instruction of the Lord. And we have a saying in this house that the opposite of destruction is instruction. So you start listening and doing what God says and you will be filled with. With the life of God, I love John chapter ten verse ten. It is the devil that strips us as we're uh, disobedient to God, as we do things backwards. In John um, ten ten, it says like this: The thief came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. As we're listening to the spirit of rebellion, as we're walking in disobedience, as we're drawing closer to identifying with the devil in his thoughts that he puts in our brain, the more that we are stripped. And destroyed. That's why the youth of our day are totally empty. They're totally stripped uh, of life. They don't want to live. But the Bible says that Jesus has come to give us life and to give it in a measure of abundance. A greater measure. Uh, I'll tell you the truth 30 years into my Christianity. I'm bursting at the seams seeing the goodness of the Lord. Amen. Bursting at the seams. Life in every direction. Um, I'm already telling, speaking prophetically to the life of my grandchildren. You guys are going to be super busy. You guys are going to be super busy in the goodness, in the mercy, in the favor, in the prosperity and blessing of the Lord. These days, many people are looking for prosperity outside of God. But Proverbs 10 verse 22 says, it's the blessing of the Lord that makes one rich. It's when God blesses your life that you begin to expand in value, experience, and wealth. Um, I was telling my best friend, Carlos, uh, we grew up together in the same neighborhood. um, And I was telling him this week, look, Carlos, when I was starting out my Christianity, when you saw me that I no longer was hanging out with you guys, I was never uh, gathering with you, I had separated, um, I would read the word, and the word says... He who meditates in the word of God day and night, everything he does shall prosper. He shall abound. He shall be like a tree that is fruitful. I didn't understand that. How does meditating on the word of God day and night, how, how does this correlate to me being able to have a family, to have provision, to have purpose, to have significance? It didn't correlate. I, I couldn't see. But... Because I had come from a long line of destruction and family and descendants, I said, look, I'm just going to do what this says. I don't have to see nothing. I just want to put my nose in here and and sit there and and read 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 and read. And the Bible says those who meditate on the law of the Lord day and night, everything they do will prosper. Everything they do. And that was my life verse, Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Here, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow. Blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. You're not living like other people. You're not justifying what you do like the, world, the worldly people do. They have all the facts to justify leaving God, not reading the word. Well, it's been interpreted 50 million times, and, and it's, it doesn't work. And they have all the reasons. At the end of the day, the devil has stripped them. From significance, purpose, provision, fruitfulness, flowering. And here, um, nor stands in the path of sinners. I'm not going to imitate rebellious people, disobedient people, ungodly people. Nor will I sit at the seat of those who make fun of this. I mean, you go to a place and you begin to share what we're sharing this morning. And they're like, <laughs> this guy so, to read a book is going to change your life. It's going to change the world. It's going to change your, listen to me. God's word is everlasting. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but his word abides forever. So here we are 30 years later, and I'm telling my friend, I said, listen, I didn't understand it when I began. I didn't understand why the importance of reading, meditating, learning, uh, enriching my life with the word of God. But I did not want the alternative. I did not want to live what people who didn't do that were living. A nightmare of a life, no hope, empty faces, no no satisfaction of life. So they lived with a different parameter. Going back to Ezekiel 37, verse 4, as they were sitting there, and the Lord told them to speak into the life, prophesy to these bones, to these dry bones, and say, Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. I'm amazed at the amount of people that come in for years and years and years and years. And they sit here. And they, they listen or they don't listen. They understand. They don't understand the word of God. They always justify. The Bible says in one point, Jesus ministering to the people of his day. He says, you render the word of God void because of your traditions. The way that you live your life, you say, "Yeah, God says this," but my, gra- I've always, I, I want to, my friends, my, my, the city, the generation, the time I live. So you render the word of God void because of your traditions. You're so set in your ways that when the word of God tells you something, you say, "Yeah, but." And so, if you live your life filled with "yeah, buts," you never get to experience the full. Vast fruitfulness and prosperity of His Word, and so we have to start, you know, getting rid of all the excuses. But we have to listen to the to the voice. Uh, as we were watching Baby Judah, uh, Julie and John Davis's baby uh, at the hospital, the nurse came in. The technician she says, "There's a new equipment that we have that checks the sonar, acoustic probing." To see if your son has good hearing, I said, "Could I take that to church? Because I want to test some people, um, and to see if we could get some some examinations going because we're not listening. The dry bones are not listening to the voice of God. There's something that knocks it off, so that the word of God does not have an effect in our lives. I guarantee you, if you live according to God's instruction, it will be extreme. It will be abundant. It will be glorious." And so the people think you're insane, but you will be living the significant, valuable life God intended from the beginning. Verse 5, he says, Oh, dry bones, hear! Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. you imagine that? that and this is where I get excited, because for every family that calls our church for every marriage that calls the marriage ministry and we say if God breathes on you you'll come back to life if God's breath comes upon you you shall live there is no doubt there's no maybe there's no somehow there's no uh, God knows maybe you have a good likelihood. What are the probabilities? What are the percentages? He's an absolute God, and He does absolutely a full and complete work in our lives. That's what He's into. He wants to see it. Many times I'll be um, I'll be counseling these new people that come, and I said, "Listen, I don't just want you to repair your relationship. That means there's offenses that has broken the relationship. I don't only want you to repair." And and come together as a relationship. I want you guys to understand that if you persist, not only to repair the brokenness, but if you persist and abound, you will flourish. And a marriage that is flourishing is much better than just a marriage that's barely getting along and just connected. When, you, when you're in the fullness of the purpose of God for marriage and family, it becomes not a natural thing. It becomes a supernatural destiny of provision in endless and amazing ministry. You begin to be a blessing, listen here, to all the families upon the earth. Your relationship, your smile, people... Um, Fifteen years into our marriage, we've been married 20 years, but 15, about five years ago, it was uh, that time of our anniversary. So I take Yvette, and we say, look, let's go get some nice clothes. And we were there at the, at the shopping center and getting her clothes, and you should get a belt and an accessory, and you get a little scarf, and, and you do this. And people are like, is she like your girlfriend? I said, no, we've been married 15 years. We have four kids, and we're going strong. We're going full of God. God loves to adorn his bride. God loves to, to give and shower his bride with the blessings of heaven. And so that's why God tells men, if you don't bless your wives, I'm not going to bless you. And all the women say, Amen. <laughs> Women love that part. If you don't bless your wife, if you don't adorn your wife, if you don't take care of your wife, then God says, you know something? I won't take care of you. I won't adorn you. I won't provide for you. You say, Pastor, give me a biblical verse. 1 Peter 3, 7. Husband, love your wives, because if not, your prayers shall be hindered. Dwell with them with understanding. Give them honor. As a weaker vessel, they are being heirs together with the grace of life that your prayers will not be disturbed. So that you want that provision, you want that promotion, you want that prosperity, you better bless your wife, my friend. You better bless her hard and constant and continuous. And that way, God will also open the windows of the heavens to say, I think somebody's praying. I think somebody is talking to God. And then God opens the heaven and showers you with his expansive grace. This is why the people that bless the bride of Christ, who is that? The church. Those are the guys that God is really listening to their prayers and blessing them. And there hasn't been a single person in the last 16 years of this ministry's life that has blessed the house of God and the bride of Christ that the heavens have not opened up and showered them with incredible, endless uh, mercy and provision. Let's go back to Ezekiel 37 and verse 5. Do you think uh, listening to the word of God, Ezekiel 37:5? You think these bones, listening to the word of God, are going to begin to have an impact and a a transformation? Thus says the Lord to these bones Surely I will breathe, I I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. Verse 6 I will put sinews on you, and bring flesh upon you, and cover you with skin. I will begin to do a work of restoration layer upon layer. This is not all at once. This is not why don't I feel like the first day I was married. No, listen, my friend, you have stopped watering your garden long ago. It's not going to be revived in a second. But if you are an excellent husband, if you love family, if you understand the heart of God, things begin to take, you know, that new flesh, the new uh, ligaments, the flesh will cover you, the skin, and put breath in you. You'll start living. You shall live. And then you shall know that I am the Lord. You'll know that God does a complete and perfect work. And so you spent many years destroying this thing. It's not going to come back together in one day. Verse 7. And it says, so I prophesied. See, one thing is for God to give you all the game planning, to give you the steps. And and you say, okay, I know everything, but I'm not going to do it. One thing is for you to know everything. Another thing is for you to do everything. Everything he says. So I prophesied to the bones and I commanded as I prophesied. There was a noise. I started saying, hmm, she, honey. I haven't heard honey in a long time. Honey. You start hearing things that are pleasant. You start hearing, you listen, I'm going to tell you a, a, an experience that I had, which is, is very, very new. Uh, three years ago, we moved back into my home because it had been totally. Devastated. For the first time in my Christian life, having lost our personal home, we always had our refuge to go back to. The Lord allowed for all the plumbing underneath to rot and to cave in, and we had to move out of our house because there was no sewage, no plumbing, and no showers. There was no water in the kitchen. So we moved to a temporary place of refuge, and then for three years, count them, my friend, imagine going through a three year trial. Where you don't receive anything from the place where you have been used to for 10 years to receive everything. And so everything was coming down. I was like, Lord, I don't understand what's going on. Totally just, just, uh, this doesn't fit with anything. I'm going to tell you, three years into it, the miraculous hand of God moved with incredible grace and provision. And so we were able to rebuild our home and everything was in place. And all of a sudden the plumbers came in and they connected all the new plumbing Tube by tube welding, tube by tube welding. And all of a sudden they said, okay, here we go. We're going to do the test to make sure that the water's not going to leak out. And they turned on the water out front of the house. And I heard how the water began to move into all the tubes. I almost started crying. Three years of a desert of no water and you started hearing the rivers of water that were running through every channel, covering every empty pipe. And, and for, I, I think that the whole three years of that experience was for that one moment that might have taken three seconds, five seconds, for me to appreciate, because when you're in America, you're not near a desert, you're not near a wilderness, you're not near a dry land, so you can't appreciate the lack of water. But that day, in that moment, The joy of God just filled my heart as I began to hear the trickling of water move throughout the house, even through the sheet rocks and all that stuff. I was like, Lord, this is what your Bible so often talks about, bringing water in a wilderness, bringing water back to a dry land. And this is what it's talking about. The noise that began to to experience in verse 6 as these bones began to to listen and respond to the word of God. Verse 7. It says like this, so I prophesied and commanded and there was noise and suddenly rattling and the bones started coming together. Bone to bone. I want to tell you that we live in a generation and an age where the disintegration of the family is a bone and bone apart. The skeletal infrastructures of our homes are totally decimated totally destroyed. We don't even know. Uh, when I was a kid, um, there used to be a little song. You get, the, uh, uh, you get the head bone connected to the neck bone, the neck bone connected to the collar bone, the collar bone. And it was, you, you learn anatomy with all these bones. Guess what? If the kids had to sing that song today, today they would say, the head bone connected to the suegra, the suegra connected to the, I lost the other bone, and where is it? We have made a disaster Of the family. We we lie in a valley totally decimated. Listen to me. The foundation for this destruction is called selfishness. Fathers being selfish. Mothers being selfish. Children being selfish. You know the only place upon the earth that are giving you the instruction to pick up your cross daily, deny yourself, and follow him? is called the church of Jesus Christ. It's the only place. When a woman came in here on Thursday night, she says, "Well, me and my me and my son will be fine. We don't need dad." I said, "Listen to me. I'm going to introduce you to this little piece over here called the cross, so you can crucify your flesh, so you crucify what you think, what you feel, what you want, and you have the capacity to love, to lay down your life, to care for your son enough so that he won't lose his father, so he'll have he won't be raised in a fatherless home." And so only the cross of Christ gives us the capacity to crucify the flesh and allow these bones to come together. When selfishness is rampant, and it is in our day and generation, we start looking at our wives and saying, why do I have to be with you when I could be with so many? Why do I have to commit to you when I could just give myself to God? Whoever crosses, that's that's the epitome of selfishness in the life of a man. Verse 8, he says, as these bones began to come together, indeed, as I looked and I saw the ligaments and the flesh upon them and the skin cover them, but there was no breath. They were coming together, yet they were not living uh, to uh, walk in the direction of God's purpose. Verse 9, still the infrastructure needs to be present for there to be life. And bringing together the order of God allows a husband to begin to breathe next to a militant wife. You, all the men could say amen. Not so loud. You don't want to get your wife upset. Listen to me. You cannot breathe when you have somebody who's breathing down your neck out of order. And this is happening rampant in our generation. All the wives, I was at a meeting yesterday, uh, finally went to the tetulia which is a gathering of Spanish poets, musicians, and crazy people. And, um, and, and when I got there, the average age was 95, very elderly people. Um, and listen, the wives are all distraught because they have no husbands. But those women wouldn't shut up. You know, I could see how their husband says, oh, I'm picking my bags and I'll see you later. And they leave because it requires a wise woman to have a family and to build a home, and you cannot be selfish. You cannot be rampant in this self-expression, and expect people next to you to thrive in that toxic sewage and waste. So, in this regard, we need to be wise. We need to not. Uh, we need to not exterminate and 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 desolate and bring destruction in a selfish expression. So he says. Um, Son of man, he said, prophesy to these uh, 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 to breathe. After they were all put together, prophesy, son of man, and say to breathe. Thus says the Lord, come from the four winds, O breath, O breath, on these slain that they might live. And you're like, well, why, why were they a body but no spirit, no breath? Uh, Job chapter 32 verse 8 says like this, it is the breath of God that causes a spirit of man. There is a spirit in man and the breath of God gives him understanding. You men must come alive in your spirit. Listen, you're impressive. You you read the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, the Boston Globe. You fill yourself with earthly knowledge and know-how and your spirit is deplete. Sometimes your spirit needs to be nourished so you can minister to your wife, so you can minister to your children matters concerning spiritual health. Uh, Yesterday, one of our men, he got home and his wife's blood pressure dropped and he ran to the hospital with her and they were able to treat her physically. Well, the same way, you're to treat your family spiritually. Each one of the members of your family has a spirit and this spirit, God wants to breathe on it so that it might have understanding how you're to live, what you're to go Uh, uh, constantly my sons are asking me questions. And, you know, the mentality of, okay, I'm 46, I'm an attorney, I can... I don't want to feed my children my stupidity. I want to, as they ask me questions, to discern their spirit and minister to their spirit. And it requires the Word of God to do that, the wisdom of God. So you men are called... To nourish your spirits, not your intellect, not your ego, not your net worth, not your financial portfolio, not your business dealings. And put that to aside. and there's a season to minister in the spirit to the spiritual needs of your children. That will cause them to be excellent parents to your grandchildren. They will know how to parent by watching and listening to you spiritually. If you do not develop and nourish your spirit, you have nothing to give. It will be like going to a dry well where there's no water. Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 10. In this valley of dry bones where this army has fallen apart, he said, Command me, and breathe." Came, breath came into them, and they live, and they stood up on their feet. You know, a lot of times we see the families coming together and, and the infrastructure, but they're still on the ground. This happened on Wednesday night this week as uh, everybody marched into the church like this, look. And then a missionary from from Africa, Doris Hawkett, she breathed the fresh breath of the Spirit of God. And everybody was like, "Wow!" and everybody's alive again. Well, we're not supposed to come into the church dragging like oh, I'm barely water. Water. You're supposed to nourish your spirit outside of here. Nourish your spirit so it's high and mighty. Not just when you come to church and the pastor goes, Phew. And everybody gets a little way, ah, oh, you feel good now, I'm gonna go back. Uh, no, fill your spirit. Have a lively spirit. Let your children see a live spirit. And they got on their feet, and this became a great, exceeding powerful army. Verse 11 He said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house. This is a family. I'm gonna show you what this, the dry bones that were separated and, and cast. In that valley is the family of God. Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed are bones, uh, say our bones are dry. Our hope is lost and we ourselves are cut off. I see what's taking place in our generation. and people do not want to form families no more. They don't understand the covenant of marriage. They don't understand the sanctity of bringing a child into a home whose king is Christ. We have been cut off of all hope. Verse 12. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord. Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come out from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Crawl out of this death culture that is in our generation. Verse 13. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you from the grave, from the brink of hell, from the destiny of desolation that consumes. How we have become such experts in destroying family. How we've become experts in destroying marriage. We have stripped, listen to me, the highest place of honor in family is called the marriage covenant. That's where it all flows from. That gathering of a commitment of a man of woman who become a husband and wife. And in that nucleus, the, the blessings flow to the house. And he says, I'm bringing you guys back to that place of life. Back to that place of honor. Verse 14. I will put my spirit in you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord and have And spoken it and performed it. I'm not only saying these things God says. I want to make them a reality in our day. Let's stand this morning and say, God, bring that reality to our home. Bring that reality to mom and dad. Bring that reality to our neighbors and our friends and our church. And and that's why it's so important that the blessings flow from the house of God. This is is why uh, some people are, I, I used to know a woman She used to pay $20,000 a month, every month, uh, dedicated to a a whale that would swim across Australia. And uh, she's like, this year I'm going to give, you know, I'm going to commit again $20,000 to the whale that's going to cross Australia. And, And her nephews and nieces were like, tia, tia, give us some love. We know you love the whales, but give us some love too. And so let us be proponents of family, strong proponents. Let's understand that, you know something, we've been hurt by fathers. We've been, uh, fathers have abandoned us. Fathers have marked us. But that only serves one purpose. Let God make that mark flow with a spring of life, with the healing waters of God's spirit. Um, I was talking to a pastor, and I said, you know something, we go through so much in our lifetime these are the things that cause the alabaster bottle to break. Things have broken us. And it's only so that the fragrance of the perfume comes out. Allow us to, to understand, inquire these things. Uh, maybe you uh, saw this valley of dry bones in another light. Well, God wants to say, I'm standing prepared for you to hear my voice, to follow my instruction, to rise. To live, to walk in my purpose. And the Lord says, I'm going to do all this because I am the Lord. I'll show you who's on top of everything. And, you know, unbelief and discouragement and all manner of, of satanic, uh, devilish descriptions. The clip of this man on irreplaceable, he, he went out to, what's family all about? It's irreplaceable. There's nothing that stands in that that's uh, the provision of God. And so God has spoken to us clearly this morning. And there's not a time when God and His Spirit speaks that He doesn't want to come afterwards and do a miracle of a supernatural move in your heart and in your life and revive you and strengthen you and give you clear purpose and destiny. Um, Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart so is He. As you think in your heart, that's how you begin to live life. And so, for as He thinks in His heart, so is He. I'm, I'm cautious. The reason why I bring this message today is because out there, there's a lot of things being poured into the hearts. Toxic, sewage, unclean waters. That caused people to be stripped of purpose and significance. And here God has brought a a fresh, clear, pure, rushing wind of his spirit and understanding into our lives to cleanse our hearts. If you could just raise your hand right there and say, Lord, make me an instrument of peace. Make me a minister of your love. Let me serve faithfully. Father, look at the hands raised in your temple. Your eyes are upon this place. I pray in Jesus powerful name in his glorious name that every person with their hands raised high be an object of your mercy a vessel of honor for this generation and I pray that you would restore our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus that you bring us out of death into your marvelous light from darkness Lord to life that we might show forth that means dispense with the praises of a mighty God. And use us, O oh God, to restore families and marriages and sons and fathers and fathers back towards their homes with their wives. Use us as a spring of life to the nations, yes, a wellspring of your heart and righteousness, repairing, renewing, restoring. Refreshing, so that we might be in Christ, the hope of nations, Christ in us, the hope of glory. We give you thanks for having poured out this day, your day, in the house of the Lord, the vast provisions of your grace and understanding, so that we might rise as a strong army and fight the battles of the Lord. We pray your blessing upon the finances. We pray Your blessings upon the relationships. We pray Your blessings on the business relationships and the industry and the commerce that we might flourish, that we might flower and be fruitful, and that we might attain to levels of abundance in all things for Your glory and honor. Father, allow us to walk in our inheritance. p Professional provides a. Peace, joy, and righteousness. In Jesus' name we pray, and the house of God says amen, 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 amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord. God bless you.